Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Bitches, Witches, and Queers, a podcast dedicated to those who have left religion behind and are now seeking to rebuild their lives through self-exploration, play, and spirituality. I, your host, Christina Carlson, am an embodiment and intuition coach. I work with bitches, witches, and queers to discover their own worth and value and learn how to trust themselves to create the lives they want. I'm an experimenter by nature, so this podcast, like my life, is an offering in flux. What you find here will be diverse and, hopefully, interesting. One thing you can know for sure is that we will get good and curious here. Welcome. Hello, everyone, and welcome back. I wanted to do a few announcements before we get started in today's podcast. Um, There are two exciting opportunities coming up to work with me that I wanted to share with you. And the first is a free mini workshop that I'm going to be doing called Queer Wife Life. And this workshop is specifically for women and femmes who are in straight passing relationships and um, specifically working through queer imposter syndrome and how to validate your queerness and embrace your queerness in a straight passing relationship. Um, I'm so excited about this workshop. If that sounds like you or someone you know, please share. Um, please come send me your email uh, via DM or you can email me. My email is linked below. Um, yeah, Queer Wife Life. I'm so excited about this one. I love doing workshops with you all, love chatting with you all, so I would love to see you there. Uh, The second is a program that I'm working on for this fall. Um, This program uh, does not have a name yet. I'll let you know when I come up with a name. Um, But it is going to be this fall starting in about September and is going to be uh, focused on rebuilding your connection with yourself through um, joyful connections, so through connection to your body, connection to your values, and connection to your soul desire. This is the work that I'm extremely passionate about, Um, really moving with self-compassion and love to help you move out of self-sabotage and away from shame cycles and into finding space for yourself in your life and your dreams that feels um, rich and aligned with who you are inside. Uh, There's so much value to this work. Everyone who does this work is, is changed in incredible ways and um, yeah, I'm just, I just can't say enough good things about it. If you want to get on the waiting list, now is the time. I'm only accepting five people for this fall because it is the first time I'm going through it. And uh, there's a group component to this. There will be classes and there's also going to be one-on-one support. So there's going to be a lot um, that you'll get in this program and it's at a discounted rate since it's the first time I'm going through it. Um, so yeah, uh, DM me your email or um, send me an email if you're interested in getting on that wait list. Hello. Welcome. A cat just like flopped flopped on my leg. Um, Good morning (laughs) or night or whenever you're listening to this. Hi. Hi, friend. (laughs) We're back. What does your mug say? It is a gay Jesus mug. It says, ah, men. Oh, I thought it said, and men. Ah, comma, men. Amen. For those of you not staring at my mug directly, it is Jesus, and he is wearing a rainbow robe. Um, and I, Bless. <laughs> I love mugs that, like, delight all of the people in my life and would upset so many others. <laughs> it's one of my favorite, like, weird little... It's like the definition of a niche, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, exactly. a good one, anyway. <laughs> but, like, my favorite is my college-educated evil feminist slut mug. Oh, yeah, um, that's great. And it always gets such mixed reviews anytime I post a photo with it on the internet. Like, it's such a fucking delight to the right humans. Let's talk about people. I Uh, love talking about people. Like, uh, I noticed um, Madison Morgan was posting about, um, she did one of those, like, NGL or whatever. Have you seen these? So it's an anonymous uh, question link. Um, yeah, I found it through, who did I find yes. it? I forget who I found it through, but I, I used one a while ago. Uh-huh. It's fun, um, because it's anonymous yes. and people will send you some weird shit because yes. it's anonymous. It's anonymous. So um, I need to try that. Oh, I need to try that. Yeah. Yeah. Based on the nature of the stuff that I like post about, I would get some real interesting questions if people didn't have their name attached to it. Yeah. And sometimes people say like really mean I'm shit. I'm sure they do. So because, I'm just curious, yeah. like... In your experience, like, because for, you know, like, growing up in Christian culture, we had, like, uh, the, like, people who would disciple us or whatever, you know, like, we had accountability partners, which was, like, 
the peer-to-peer situation. Yes. And then we had, like, mentors who were, like, the youth group leaders who would, like, take us under their wing or whatever. Yeah. I never had anyone do that. Yeah. Um, looking back, I think it was, like, a self-protective. Like, oh, I probably beautiful. didn't invite that. Yes. Um, there was, like, one or two people who, like, sort of did that with me, but I always kept them at arm's length. At arm's length. But um, those are, like, the people who would, like, say really mean shit and fuck you up looking back on it so I'm just curious like at, with your presence yeah. and like the stuff that you talk about like is it common for you to get like weird or like hateful or mean or just like projected shit on you you know less so than it used to be and I have a theory on that um I think part of it is like <laughs> Part of it is when a person deconstructs from the church, it's like there's a statute of limitations on the, like, time that people have a hope for saving you. Ah, and I've, like, passed yeah. that time. <laughs> like, I think most of them at this point are just like, yes. nope, she is, A, off the Gone. grid. Like, <laughs> off the grid fully. And, B, not open to my feedback. Mm. Um, I think it also helps in ways and I've wondered if this is a similar dynamic for you like I am clearly not impressionable like I I don't read as someone on the internet at this point who's like super concerned about what other people think about the way right. that I live my life um and I think one of the beauties of that because it's also backed by all of the people who were in that kind of relationship role with me, um, because I did do a little bit of that stuff. I didn't quite do the deep dive. So there was like a full on discipleship program at SVU and a bunch of, but all of my friends were in it. And I'm like, you, I just never did. Like I never, like the discipleship program was something that in retrospect, I should have been all in on, like based on the circle that I was in and like who I was at that time. But I'm like, you, something in my body just was like, no, thank you. No, yeah. I, I will opt out of this. And so I had, like, individuals here and there that would like, that I was actually very close to. We actually, like, formed a relationship. Yeah. And they had some, like, um, some say in my, in how I, like, made my life choices, like, more than I'm comfortable with now. But I will also give them the deep, like, honor of saying I I don't think any of my like previous mentors have ever said anything shitty to me um but I will say I I think part of that is because all of those people actually worked hard enough to get to know me that they know I don't make any decisions willy-nilly so if they come for me about something they need to come with charts and data and because I like I will yeah, like, they knew they couldn't just, like, yes. pull you over. Yeah, like, it's a combination of I'm not impressionable and I'm not impressionable, be- impressionable because I think about everything to the maximum extent. Like, I don't make a decision I have not thought through, especially not one as large as, like, leaving the church or, like, any yeah. of the ways that I interact with my life right now. Hmm. All of those things came with, like, deep reflection and, like, intention Mm. and I think even back then those people like knew that about me like I'm I'm not a um yeah I'm not an impressionable person and I'm not a person who makes a choice without like 18 months of deep dive research and charts and data to back it up like Mm. (laughs) that's how I operate and I think that's been like a weird protective mechanism for me Mm. so I don't get too much shit at this point also I'm a widow yeah. And sometimes, like, a little bit of, like, a little bit of them, like, feeling, I, I can just get away with more. Yeah. Is with, like, some of those people. <laughs> because yeah. they're like, she's been through a lot. She's been through so much. <laughs> which, you know, you really have. If you, and if you need to, like, paint me as the crazy widow and really leave me the fuck alone, that's fine. That's like, fine. I'm, I'm actually quite cool Think with what that. you will. <laughs> Think what, we, what you will if it, like, makes my life more peaceful. Yeah. What about you? Do you get, so like, have you gotten any shitty feedback from this? What is it called again? NGL? I think, I think I'm going to, I don't know. I have not thought that much about this. Um, yeah, here, I'll pull it up. So, um, I haven't gotten any like shitty feedback on it. Um, it's mostly been people asking about my sex life, which I think is funny. That's, that's actually kind of why I want to, I would want to put it up. Which I keep, I want to see how far people would go. (laughs) 
I just want to, I'm so curious. I can't even like, see, I'm on the app and I can't even see. It just like says NGL on the outside of the app. Fascinating. Um, okay. So you can download it. Simple, easy. That sounds fun as hell. Yeah, but like, for me, it's interesting, like, uh, the things that, like, I, I, I understood that in order for me to be, like, a good disciple, I had to, like, get rid of my thoughts. Like, I had to not be a questioner. Yeah. So, like, to not be who you are as a fucking person. Yes. Yeah. So, every time yeah. I was, like, in one of these, like, sort of mentorships, like, I remember at summer camp, Awana, I had, like, um... It was like my my one of my sister's best friends um, wanted to like disciple me during the week yeah. of the Wana camp, which is like you're exhausted for one yeah. thing. Um, but she was like, we should get up at five a.m. and like read and do devotions together. So yeah. I did it. Like she would come wake me up, but like I just knew that like I couldn't ask questions, and yes. also that I was just supposed to submit in these scenarios. Huh? So it never lasted because yes. I was like. I knew it wasn't safe to be, like, to have, like, all the questions. And the first time I ever asked any kind of mentor any real questions was here in Kansas City. When I was, really? like, when I started to actually deconstruct. Uh -huh. um, I, oh, yeah, because I forget y'all went to, a, like, a church here for... Yeah, we went to Redeemer. Yeah. Yeah, and I had um, someone who, like, I kind of considered a mentor who had been through something similar to me before I moved there. And so I, like... I thought she was really cool. Um, I haven't talked to her in many years, um, so I don't know what, where she's at or what she's up to. But um, I just remember, like, it was because, I think because I was away from home and because I wasn't in a relationship where I was just like, oh, but, like, what about this? And I actually yeah. had my voice to be like, but yes. that doesn't make sense because of this and because of this. And I actually just, like, threw it all at her. But it was like... And then my deconstruction process started, yes. but I think, like, my, my brain was like, you can't go there yet, because... Yes, it's not safe yet. You know where this ends. Yes. This ends with you yeah. out of this, and you can't leave yet, you know? That's... It's so powerful that your, like, body just knew. Mm -hmm. Like, it just knew previous to you leaving, like, what the end of the, the game was going to be if you started yeah. engaging in all those questions. Well, and it's also, like, like how, how wise that your body knew that it wasn't safe for mm -hmm. you to ask those questions yet. Like, yeah. you had to, like, create a sense of safety within yourself and your community or lack of community sometimes. Yeah. God, sometimes, like, because similarly, like, some of my loneliest and most isolated moments, not loneliest, um, just, like, some of my most solitary seasons have been the ones where I felt the most welcome to like explore and question so it would make sense if that's when it happened for you yeah i love that bag i have that one too oh thanks yeah ipsy i just yeah. thought she would think it was fun to play with <laughs> she's, she's so funny she's like oh she's a little weird she's a trauma cat we're a trauma house that's what we do um so she's like a little skittish of pretty much everything it's real, so watching her play with real toys cute. is delightful <laughs> she's like it takes her a minute to figure out that it's not going to leap at her. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> so, sweet girl. Yeah, I, I brought all this up because, like, uh, just thinking about, like, how our response, like, I mean, if we, if this was our coping mechanism was to, like, avoid these situations like mine was, then there's, like, a, a way of, like, it was, like, understanding that I didn't have the capacity for that kind of confrontation. Yes. So, like, in bringing that into, like, present-day life, I think a lot of the hesitation many people have around having a presence online at all, mm -hmm. it comes from the fear of being confronted. And yes. not, not even with something that you're doing wrong, necessarily, although that's definitely there. Yeah. But, like, also just having people disagree with you and being able to be with the experience of someone who's just like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Yes. You know? And you're like, I don't know, maybe there's something wrong. You know? Maybe there is. Yeah. Maybe there is. Yes. <laughs> it's just like, it's a, it's an experience that is only like possible to like move through with when you have like capacity for it. Yes. And, and you have your boundaries intact and you can like, yeah. you have the capacity to filter through like, this is feedback that I need to take and sit with and look at. And this is feedback that just in my body feels like it's not actually about me. Yeah. Cause that exists too. Like, yes. Cause that's the thing is like, you have to know 
I think if you're going to have an online presence that's polarizing in any way, you have to know what battles to fight and what ones to let go, or you're literally just always going to be like in defense mode with someone, mm -hmm. usually a stranger who doesn't actually know who doesn't care. <laughs> yeah, I just I posted um, this like reel yesterday that was just like meant to be funny, and it was, and also just meant to be me, and. Um, it like in my in my like limited like whatever you call that like social media fame yes. with a lot of people it got yeah. seen by 10,000 people which for me is just like well that's, like, like, yes. that's a lot of people yeah. um because a bunch of humans with their eyes on me yeah that's like, like if you like imagine that many humans literally standing in a, a space with their eyes on you that's a dick ton it's of a fuck ton of people jesus so i like i was like it it was fine like that many people saw. I was like laughing about it because I was like, the algorithm is so fucking ridiculous. Like, yeah. just this is the video that it picks, like, of all the things. But someone posted on it, like, oh, what was it? It was just like some random person was like, uh, no, bro, or something like that. And I was like, oh, it was like, it first for a second, I was like, what did I do wrong? It was like the immediate, yes. and I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> Wait a minute. Back I don't up here. I don't know this person, and but it was it was it's interesting because like I had shared in it like um, feeling a bit much for the Midwest, and yes. I woke up gay again today. Yes. Oh so my because God. I'm speaking about being gay, yes. my immediate thought was like, what line did I cross? And then I was yep. like, but wait, I'm gay. Like, but I literally actually am gay. <laughs> like, like, but I'm not lying. Yes. But it was just like one of those where it was like feeling uh, exposed on the yes. level of my identity and like having a moment, like a very, a very small split second yes. moment of like vulnerability where it was just like, but wait, like, did I do something wrong? Yeah. And then I was like. No. no, and deleted it. I just it. exist as a gay person. <laughs> yeah, but it like was just, just it was interesting just having like that moment and that singular reaction. It didn't last long, but I was like, oh, this is like still this fear is still, still here. there of Ugh. like, but what did I do? <laughs> I think too. Do you have um, one of the things I've had to unpack as a queer person is how much I feel responsible for protecting people who are uncomfortable with that part of my identity from that part of my identity. Like, yeah. like it, the onus falls on me. If I know that a person is uncomfortable with queerness, it's my responsibility to just like make sure that I, I, I yeah. listen, like I look gay. So like, it's, it's, always going to be a present reality. Gay doesn't look one way. Gay doesn't look one way. I look at the perception. Like, when I think about, like, my family. Yeah, right, Like, in the right. context of my family, I it's look what so they gay. perceive. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Like, they're, I'm very, like, visibly queer to Two them. straight people, you look very gay. Two straight people, I look very gay. Um, to me, I would still look at someone like me and be like, maybe this is what they're like. Yeah. I don't know, this yeah. is a person. Um, but, like, I still feel those hits of responsibility. I'm wondering if this was a part of your interaction with that commenter. Um, mm. That like hit of shame for me when somebody like is visibly uncomfortable with some part of myself, especially queerness, I default to that closeted part of me that's like, oh, I'm supposed to protect people from this. Like, mm. I'm not supposed to talk about it out loud. Because um, yeah, I still feel that occasionally mm. too. Like when I'm very like, in my queerness and someone is visibly uncomfortable with it, I feel a very visceral, immediate experience of like, oh, did I cross a line? Because mm. I'm supposed to protect you from me. Huh. Yeah, I, I definitely understand and resonate with that experience in different scenarios. In this particular instance, for me, it was more like, did I just upset queers in the Midwest by saying oh, I was no. a bit much for them? Oh, you no. know, like yes. it was like I was like ah, like it was yes. it was bad. There's it like was, a million ways to yeah. like feel like you did the wrong thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and in that in that split, split second moment, that's what it was about for me. It was just like, but I like, well, we're not like too much. That's not what I meant. Like yeah, you know, yeah. you know what I mean. Like yes. there's a million ways to misunderstand a person, and like my mind oh. went there from like living my entire life being yes. misunderstood or believing that I was misunderstood. That's another thing I want to get into because like people, 
we were raised to be offended, right? Like, yes. we were raised to believe that we were persecuted. Yes. Like, that was just, like, a constant... Like, seeking out offense was yeah. how I lived most of my life. Yeah, exactly. So, mm-hmm. like, stepping out of that, like, a part of deconstructing, in my opinion, is, like, moving away from this idea that everyone is out to get you. Because they're really fucking not. They're really not. Um, and I saw I saw Reese Witherspoon on um, uh, Glennon Doyle's podcast. I just watched a clip of it. She was sharing this statistic, which I've, I've been screaming at people for years because I found it so profound. I forget the original person who found these statistics, but like 33% of people like you, like just like you, yeah. no matter what, 33% of people just don't care. They feel yeah. indifferent to you. And 33% of people are literally trying to take you out and there's nothing you can do about it. No. They like absolutely nothing, but it's just interesting because like in growing up in that persecuted mindset, they just like we kind of believe that it's like ninety percent of people are out to get yes. us. Yes, yeah. But that thirty-three percent of people who like you yeah. is a big fucking deal. It's a big deal, and it's like, a lot of people. It's so many people, and like to be at a point where we're actually surrounding ourselves in our everyday lives with those people is yeah. also so grounding. Yeah. Cause like most of the people who don't like me or wouldn't like me aren't in my like everyday sphere at this point. So I don't feel them. Like I don't right. feel their impact. Right. Um, yeah. God, that's so real. The perse- persecution complex and just like the general expectation that like, the world is against you. Like, it's just a constant battle. Yeah. It's and like, it's, it doesn't really, it's not really like that. It's not, it's not actually like that. I mean, the people, I guess, the the people aren't like that. The systems are like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, like, as far as, like, people that you interact with, like you said, if you're choosing to be around people who you feel good around. Yeah. That's, that's good. that's what you're going to feel. Like, if that's right. what we invest our time and energy in. Yeah. Brief aside, my cat does glitter. Yeah. (laughs) I think it's like um, being socialized as a girl in the church. There's a lot of like, you. There's. I know we've talked about this before. Like, you need everyone to like you. Yes. Or no, you need to. You need to like everyone. Uh huh. Um, and then also because of that, you have this idea that you need to get everyone to like you. So both of those things are there, and if you're in denial about who you like, yes, and how like you're just a like telling yourself that you like everyone, it's gonna be Uh harder for you to discern who you actually like. Yes. And that's gonna really fuck up your idea of of how people feel about you in the world Mm -hmm. in general. And because we're leading with, in that instance, we're leading with what other people's experiences are instead of, like, being our in our own experience. Like, yeah. I, that's been such an exploration, and I actually hadn't connected it in, at this moment until you said that back to my experience in the church. But, yeah, like, that sensation of, like, um, needing to always be liked and always needing to like people Mm -hmm. has been something literally within this past year for the first time I've given myself permission to like, be like, Oh, I just don't like that person. Like, I just don't like that person or, or even more, um, giving myself permission to acknowledge specific parts of other humans that I don't like that much. Like, like even if it can be Mm -hmm. somebody that I, I quite, adore in most categories I can be like that particular part of this person does not feel like safe to me Mm -hmm. um this particular like tendency or trauma response or the way they deal with this specific thing like that does not feel safe to me and so Mm -hmm. I can like build boundaries to like work with that Mm -hmm. um but yeah it's funny when your entire frame of reference for relationship involves making sure that everyone likes you, it's really wild how quickly that can become you spending all your time with people who don't actually like you trying to make them like you (laughs) because you're like trying to fix what's wrong instead of just like leaning into the fact that, Oh, I have all of these people who really fucking love me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I so twisted. It is. And I like, I I, I need to ask someone who has more understanding about this than I do. But I know, I understand that people-pleasing is a trauma response. Um, So when you're in a moment of uh, something that's triggering, like if people-pleasing is your 
yeah. chosen trauma response, not chosen, but like your body's chosen, that's going to happen without you being in control of it or even aware of it, eventually aware of it. But <coughs> like, um, I'm, I'm curious, like if, if considering how you feel about people is like an avenue of like getting some freedom and space from that experience to understand how you feel, uh -huh. you, you know, yeah. because like, um, because if, if you're allowing yourself to do that, like if you have the capacity to consider that, yeah. it feels like an avenue, like a way of expanding yes. into your capacity. Yes. It's interesting there have been a few relationships in the past few years that have been represented major work in this exact category for me. Um, and it's so hard, like, hi, Kitty. Kitty is inspecting the microphone. microphone. I'm going to talk to the people. <laughs> Very curious. Um, it's so hard to, like, give yourself permission to like actually feel your experiences with other humans. Like actually feeling your experiences with other humans instead of like writing a story about those humans, like being with what is like, Oh, hmm. I, there's a specific, a specific friendship that these past couple of years has like, um, shifted very dramatically um and it's been such an interesting thing in the shifts I've like gotten that space that you were talking about to be like oh I was putting this person on a pedestal because that's another thing I think we learned inside the church um Amanda and I've talked about this length in therapy recently um I think one of my coping strategies for the fact that a lot of the people in my life and a lot of the beliefs that I was brought up with were quite unhealthy. Hmm. Um, but in order to stay safe, I needed to stay in that system for a long time. And so I had just, I just had to ignore all of the unhealth. I had to ignore all of the bad parts and just like focus on the good and the love and like the parts of these people and systems that were like really nourishing and beautiful. And so what that did was give me a very unique capacity for putting people on a pedestal. I'm very good at that. Like, yeah. I'm I'm so good at ignoring red flags. It's fucking wild. I'm much less good at it than I used to be. But like that has been my history. Mm. And so like um it's been really interesting to watch myself as I process the shifts in this relationship, um, which has more or less ended at this point. I can like look back and be like Oh, there were huge chunks of this relationship where I was ignoring very big parts of your humanity. Like, it's a very good person. Mm -hmm. But, like, I was ignoring very big incompatibilities, very big, like, chunks of our humanity that just did not work for one another. Mm. Because I was trying to keep you on this pedestal. Because in my brain, I needed you to choose me. Mm. To the point that I couldn't even figure out whether I wanted to choose you. Because I couldn't look at you clearly. Yeah. Um, it gets so muddy. Like, the people-pleasing... People-pleasing as a, as a trauma response, fawning as a trauma response, is my go-to move. Mm -hmm. And the more deconstructing I've done around that, the more I've just been like, oh... I've spent a lot of my life, like, trying to get love and affection and, like liking and regard from a lot of people that if I were actually to look at them very clearly, just like in the light of what is with no judgment attached, either good or bad, I would have known a long time ago that they were actually a mismatch for how I want my relationships to be. Mm. But I couldn't look at that because I was a people pleasing font response. Yeah. Like that shit will have you in really mediocre to toxic relationship <laughs> yeah mine is always trended more toward like the mediocre which is why <laughs> I end up staying long term in relationships that I'm like after it blows up I'm just like oh no there was some <laughs> stuff here Whoops. yeah I think like I mean it's it's hugely important in these instances especially if you're becoming aware of 
how that's affected your life and aware of people pleasing and the, any of these behaviors, it's so important to put like douse it with kindness. And, Absolutely. And to note deeply that like you're you're not the only one. Like this is such a human yes. experience and response. And like it's not unusual or abnormal. Yeah. It's it's literally it has been you doing your best. It's been you doing your best. It's, it's not something that like you've even known you were doing half the time. Mm-hmm. So Yes. <laughs> you know, it's like that's just like how we've coped. Mm-hmm. And like it's not it's never ever entirely on you. No. Oh god no. It's interesting too, like having creating the space to find compassion for both yourself and the other people mm-hmm. in the scenario has been really powerful for me. Like being able to acknowledge like me people pleasing and pedestalizing people and like romanticizing relationships and situations that did not deserve as much like like rose lens rose color as much rose colored lens effect as I was giving them. Yeah. Um I was doing the best I could in that. And also it's been really helpful for me to because I had a lot of shame at first. Like I had a lot of shame in looking back and retrospectively going, Oh, I spent a lot of my life like desperately trying to nurture relationships with people I didn't really like that much. <laughs> it's like shamey. Yeah. There's like something shamey because I was inauthentic in those relationships. Mm. And it also feels But were you? But wasn't what was I? What was I? It's <laughs> the rabbit hole. <laughs> but like I think it's helped me because I feel like a, a hit of guilt I, and I think this is a conditioned religion thing like saying you don't I don't like someone feels like the equivalent of me just like like verbally and mentally and emotionally eviscerating that it's not that deep like I like I've been able to kind of start separating and just being like it is not that this person is a bad person. Like, me saying that I don't like someone is not, in my world, a judgment call that says, you are a bad person, you have all of these toxic traits. Someone doesn't need to be toxic for me to not like them. Right. They simply need to be a misaligned... That's that's uh-huh. all it is. Like, yeah. that's been helpful to me, too, is, like, depersonalizing, not liking someone. Mm-hmm. Because I think we grew up in this binary of, like, you either love someone or you fucking hate them. And that's not... <laughs> of that intensity from it and giving myself permission to be like no this is not about this person being a bad person they are literally just not a good match we're not compatible as people and they're going to be compatible with a bunch of other people and I want them to be with those people and same for me I had to depersonalize liking someone yes because like growing up it was like an embarrassment if you liked someone and they didn't like you back. Yes. There was oh, like this God. and I thought about oh. this all the time because yeah. I was like I'm not going to like anyone that doesn't like me back. So I was like yes. really trying to like control uh-huh. who I liked based on who liked me. Yes. And just to like protect myself from the vulnerability of that experience. Of course. But like after I don't remember when this was, but I slowly started to realize that like me liking someone or having an attraction to someone has as little to do with, with, like, what I'm controlling as with that person. With that person. Yeah. <laughs> it almost has nothing to do with that person yeah. either. It's just, like, not something we actually control. We can't control. You, no. you can, like, choose your choices, like, yes. what you do with those feelings, your yes. actions. But you don't really choose who you like. Who you're energetically drawn to. No. No. Hello loves, it's me, Christina. I wanted to interrupt this episode to talk to you briefly about my one-on-one rebuilding coaching series. This 12-week series is designed to transform the way you show up in your life, to help you discover your next step and support you to move confidently into it. We work on inner critic, dialogue, confidence, and trusting yourself to make decisions. I like to look at life as a series of endings and beginnings. There's so many of those in our lives, and I think this space is where the greatest transformation takes place. And whether you've already gone through a change or feeling like there's a change around the corner or just really feel like something is missing, 
These spaces are great for asking, what do I want now and what is possible for me now? If you're really longing to live freely and trust yourself to move through life with confidence, this series is for you. My clients call this series transformative, empowering, and inspiring, and they often report after the series they feel confidence to say no, trust their worth, in touch with their bodies, and in tune with their instincts. This is a powerful container and can have huge long-term impacts on your life and well-being. You can learn more by visiting my website at www.christinamcarlson.com, also listed in the show notes, um, and that's where you can learn more about working with me. Thanks for your time. Now back to the show. It's also, oh, this is the, my, my current rabbit hole is along these exact same lines. Like, um, I have started to perceive the ways that I'm magnetized and repulsed by various personality types, various like ways of orienting in the world. Um, not repulsed, repelled is the word I was looking for. <laughs> so I was like, that did not feel right in my body. <laughs> repelled. Magnetized or repelled. Yeah. Um, like if I am drawn to someone, I am almost, in my experience, exclusively drawn to them because they have characteristics that already exist in me. Mm-hmm. And they're my, like, favorite parts about myself. Mm-hmm. And so it's been helpful to frame that when I'm in a situation where, like, I want more with a person than they want with me. Because um, mm-hmm. that's such a tender, vulnerable, and nobody ever taught us to deal with that. It feels like a rejection, right. even if yeah. it's not. Yeah. Um, but it's been really helpful for me to frame that as, like, I am looking at this person and seeing something in them that I like and admire and the reason that I'm magnetized to it is because I have some sort of energetic connection to it. It exists in me. Hmm. So how do I nurture this in myself? And likewise, almost invariably, I hate how true this is. I want it to be less true than this. <laughs> almost invariably, the parts of the people in my life that I don't like that much, some little nugget of that exists in me. And so, like, going within and, like, looking at that part of myself and being like, okay, what piece of this needs healing? Because this is just a mirror. Like, um. (laughs) Did you you take awake in her soul? I did. Okay, I was going to say, I feel like we owe our, I almost said our our Lord and Savior, Madison. Our Lord and Savior, Bless. Um, Madison, we don't put you on a pedestal. No, dear. I just, I love saying. I love saying our, our Lord and Savior. Savior. We learned this from our Lord. Um, wow. Anyway, that that concept was first brought to me by Madison. Yeah, and fascinating. It's been so long since I've done a wake rehearsal. I'm unsurprised. Like this is one of my favorite things too about the way my brain works. Is like, mm. um, we like pick up things from so many like things and places, yeah. and it's like you can't consciously absorb all of it because right. our brain just can't. Yeah. But then like it always comes back in little like bits and increments and that's the that's, that's what, what I'm working with right now is like yeah. I'm like literally the people in my life are just mirroring characteristics of me. Mm. Um yeah. and for a lot of people that that fe- to say that feels very like self-centered and dehumanizing. Like the other person doesn't even exist. I'm like no, this is actually, like, an avenue for me to become a healthier, better person. Yeah. Because, like, yeah. it's 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 just, like, increasing my self-awareness at the same time that I am in deep and intimate relationship with someone else. It also means that you're not putting the responsibility on the other person to yes, no. deal with your experience. To do, no, 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 no. Because no. It's, not, it's not their responsibility. No. I, I realized this. I forget when this was. It was, like, three years ago or something. I had a crush on someone who, like, just... It just blew my mind. I was like, this makes no sense. I am enjoying this experience of being around this person because for some reason, it was their yes. voice was doing something for oh. me. And I was like, I can't handle it. So I, it, was, oh it was so, so funny because like, yeah. it, was, it was like a moment when I was like, oh, this experience exists for me. Yeah. Like it me it matters not it matters not. <laughs> what is what is with my language today? It matters <laughs> not what that experience of me is in this moment. Yeah, that was a gift. <laughs> yeah, that was a gift. But it really doesn't. It, it I I'm like a Presbyterian like Minister. Minister today. <laughs> 
<laughs> so gay pastor energy here. Yep. Um, yeah, but like it, it was like, oh, it doesn't matter like what they're what they're what how they feel about this. Like yes. it in this in this context, it's like I'm not in relationship with this person, and I'm not going to be. Yeah. And this experience exists for me to just be delighted by. How fucking great is that? And even in any relationship, even if you yes. are in relationship with someone, yeah. your experience of them is not the same as their experience of you. Oh, have you? Okay. <laughs> so <laughs> many things I was like. Um, Go. James Olivia Chu Hillman. Yeah. I assume you follow. Yes. Um, they spoke as a, a guest teacher at Rising Sovereign. Mm-hmm. And it was one of my absolute favorite experiences. I absolutely love, I actually have a hashtag that I use that is almost exclusive to James Olivia's content. And it is hashtag thank you, I hate this. Um, Because that is just what they do. They're so good at like boiling things down that I very specifically need to hear um, to something that's like so precise and so compassionate. Um, And it just like scratches every itch in my queer neurodivergent brain. While also just, like, making me want to set things on fire. Um, but one of the things that I believe this was in, um, this was part of what we talked about in Rising Sovereign, but I know it's a part of James Olivia's larger body of work, um, is that we don't have a relationship. Oh, I have a relationship to you, and you have a relationship to me. Yeah. And my relationship to you is what is my business. I don't actually have control or agency or complete knowledge even of what your relationship to me is because there are so many details of your relationship to me that are, that happen inside the confines of your own mind in ways that can't even be articulated. And and so I don't know, like in many ways, like I will never be fully privy to someone else's relationship to me, even my partners, like even the people I spend the most time with. Yeah. Um, what I have is my relationship to you. And so inside my relationship to you, that A means that I have a radical amount of responsibility for my relationship to you and like interacting with that in a clean way. My relationship to you is what informs what I communicate to you. It, it informs like what I bring to the table so we can work on it together. Like, hmm. of course it's still a collaboration, but primarily there are two separate relationships happening here and I have agency in one and not in the other. So I'm, I'm curious in oh my fault. What? I know I did the same thing earlier. I was like, I why never have the on? sound on? Literally. I literally did the same thing. Like, <laughs> minutes ago. What, the what the fuck? Um, so I'm curious in you saying this, this makes so much sense. And I love this because yeah, um, it's great. Um, I feel like the opposite of this or when you view it as, our relationship that's like the definition of codependency it's like the illusion that you can control another person's experience of you by like mutually putting shit in the bucket of Uh this thing yes yeah it's such a like it like felt isolating to me at first to hear that it was that was the i hate this part Mm. of of the thank you i hate Mm. this on this one um, it felt isolating to me in ways because like, and in, in part because I was trained and I was like raised on codependent relationships. So I'm like, Oh no, if not this, then what? <laughs> like, am I alone? If, am I just alone? Yeah. And that's not it at all. It just means that like, I can look at my relationship to my people cleanly and collaborate with them in a way that's not trying to like control dynamics that I can fundamentally never have control over. Yeah. Um, but it's interesting because what it's also done is given me freedom and permission, exactly like what you just said, to enjoy the fuck out of my experience of a relationship or like not love my experience of a relationship mm-hmm. without respect to how that other person is experiencing. It's, it's like yeah. what gives me autonomy in my relationship because there are plenty of on both sides of the coin, there have been plenty of relationships in my life where we've had two quite different experiences of the relationship. And sometimes it's like, I'm having a great time and this person is going to like me. And sometimes it's the opposite. Sometimes, like, I, I look back at some of my childhood relationships and I'm like, I know you found this very fulfilling, but I felt controlled and manipulated and it did not feel good to me. Mm. Um, 
so like this framework has in many ways given me a lot of permission to just like own my actual experience of another person and our relationship together. Yeah, it's like actually allowing yourself to have yes, an, experience an experience of a relationship. It's felt really important to me um, specifically. Oh, I have I have experienced this more in any other category, or more than in any other category in dating as a widow. Um, because dating as a widow is a whole different fucking animal. Like it is a I don't. gestures vaguely um <laughs> I want to do so much like long form writing on this because it's the most tender experience of my life mm. and there will never be a point or there will unlikely be a point where the tenderness that I experience in learning how to relate to a new human when I have done the full scope of falling in love, building a life together, and watching it watching it end catastrophically, the tenderness that the experience of dating holds for me, and the highs and the lows and like all over the mapness, hmm. that will not be an experience that sure. someone else brings to the table. Like, yeah. and so like learning how to hold the highs and lows and the intensity of it in my own body and also learning how to communicate that to my partners to be like, this is how I'm experiencing this. Um, I, I, it has been profound. Um, this like framework of it is okay for me to simply hold my relationship to you because like there is a, there is an energetic difference between falling in love with someone and falling in love with someone as someone who has loved and lost as hard as I have. Like there is just like, because for me, there's like the element of the highs are like, Oh my God, I literally never thought I would feel this again. Genuinely. Like I had, I had like resigned my, not resigned myself to friendship feelings because I fucking love friendship feelings. I believe deeply in the romance of friendship. But, like, that experience of, like, I did not think I would ever, like, fall in love again um, is so, like, fucking beautiful and intense. Like, the intensity of that moment of just being, like, goddamn, for everything, like, for the whole thing, like, I am still capable of, like, wild, wild love. And also, like, that, if I'm looking for someone who matches that intensity of the experience, I'm going to be disappointed every time. <laughs> because, yeah. like, they're, because unless they've had, like, unless there's some specific reason in their life that there's such a, like, profoundness to even the capacity to fall in love, we're just not going to, we're going to experience it in very different ways. Yeah. And, as, like. As a recovering codependent, that's, oh. that's been really hard for me. Just, like, Ugh. sitting with the idea that it's it's okay for everyone yes. to have their own experience of something. It's so hard. It's, it's okay so hard. to have a different experience. Like, it's okay that other people have a different yeah. experience of me. Yes. You know, because, like, I feel like that's what... The, the work of what you're talking about, like, being able to be okay with, with that is, like, a sign of growth and capacity in mm -hmm. itself. Because, like codependency is like a way of coping with the vulnerability of existing in relationships so taking a step back from that and allowing yourself to have your own experience yes. of a relationship yeah. means to a certain extent that you have found a way to trust yourself yeah and to be able to depend on yourself to back you up yeah and yes. you can't you can't do that unless you have capacity Unless you've done some of that healing work. Because, like, I think I think it was, like, in my own codependent relationships, it was a terrifying thought. Yes. And meant the end of love. Yes. And meant the end of intimacy mm -hmm. to think that we could have a different experience of something. But that's not 
It's yeah. not accurate, but like that's what it felt like. That's what it's because exactly I didn't like. have capacity to be with my yeah. self in that. Yeah, and like I can see that being similar for you as it is for me, and that like when you're a person who carries like a very big and intense capacity for really feeling, like feeling like the magnitude of things. I feel things at 150% I always have. And like the more I heal, the more I actually like feel that in my body, like yeah. rather than just thinking. Yeah. Um, I've always thought my feelings at 100, 150%. <laughs> like, I had to feel them at 150%. Um, but it's hard because when you are that person who has that deep capacity for just like fully surrendering to the highs and the lows, it can be very difficult to find, like, again, we're just always, we're often going to be disappointed if we're, like, looking for someone who has full access and full desire for that, like, same emotional, like, <laughs> roller coaster. Yeah. Um, I found myself grateful in many ways. Like, I have magnetized partners who are very steady. Um, they're very, like, even. And so, like, they, they, like, experience the highs and lows, but they don't experience them, experience them on the same, like, visceral level that I do. And for a very long time, I looked at that as, like, I was so sad about that. Because it felt like, like, oh, no, I love this person more, or, like, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it's not the case. What I have found over time is that I actually end up benefiting from the steadiness of my partners, because sometimes that intensity can, like go off the grid like it can just go off the grid yeah. um so like learning how to trust in the balance mm. learning how to trust that like it is safe to have your own big beautiful expansive experience of whatever like mm. literally anything and everything um and that's actually a gift to you from the universe like sometimes i feel sad like i i feel deep sadness um for people who have never experienced the like highs to the degree that I do. It's not, and it's not like sadness because I know that they're having their own experience and it's probably, I'm certain it's exactly the right thing for them. But I'm just like, damn, I can't imagine a life without that. Like I can't imagine a life for myself as anything other than someone who is just like all the way the fuck like on board for whatever life throws me and just like feels it so purely. Hmm. Um, I feel all like the full spectrum of human emotions. So in such a like pure way. And I love that about myself. And also I'm so grateful to fucking James Olivia. <laughs> so grateful for giving me that framework of hmm. that is your relationship to this person or this experience world. or this world. Like, yeah. And not everyone is going to match that same energy. And that's actually okay. That doesn't mean either of you are broken. You're not responsible for how they experience any of the things. Yeah. I think we were meant to be validated in how we experience the world when we're younger. Oh, yeah. And like... Oh, my God. And I'm like... That's a dissertation. <laughs> yeah. Yep. And no shade like to any parents. I'm, I know I've like failed in this in many ways. But like I'm just pointing out the like... The humanity of it all like that we like all are doing our best and at the same time many of us didn't receive what we needed and to no fault of anyone um it's just it was fucking hard yeah. um and because of that like the the desire to find our experience be met in other people comes from a place of needing to be validated in that experience uh -huh. yeah and, like, we, when we're not, it feels like someone doesn't love us. Yes. That, that's the equation yeah. in our mind. Yeah. And that's, I think, where building capacity to be with our own experience and validate that while accepting the genuine validation from yes. other people, even if they can't meet that experience, yeah. yep. is truly healing. Yeah, it is. Because it means that we're... 
we're not relying on factors that are outside of us to like fully feel our joy. Or yeah, our pain. it's both like, and. It's both and. Yeah, because yeah. we're we're wired for connection. Like, mm-hmm. and I think you and I will always both come back to that constantly. Like, we're wired for connection. Like, there's no part of me that wants to preach like a gospel of hyper independence. Um, <laughs> literally the opposite of that. Um, but also, there is such a beauty in. I was telling Amanda this in therapy just yesterday. I was like, I feel like at this point, I'm. my needs for time and attention and validation are so beautifully met primarily by myself. Mm-hmm. Like I have worked so hard to become someone who is deeply like invested in self witness and self validation. Um, and I am also someone who is building a community of people who do that same thing. Together. But like yeah. the primary source of it is like, I am, a manifestation of God having an experience of this life and I am the only one who can ever fully witness all of it in all of its magnitude. Yeah. I, I used to get like, so <laughs> and I, I still talk about this. It's a thought tree in my mind, just um, <laughs> more like an ego thought tree, but I'm like, no, like I'm kind of bummed that I will never get to experience myself as someone else. Yes. Yeah. Because like, <laughs> because I'll like never really know what I'm no. like to other people. No. And like, it's an ego thought tree because like, that's what my ego wants is like yeah. to really know what other people yeah, think of me. Think. Yeah. But like, it's just funny to like think the the vastness of the possibility of our imagination and then the limit to what we can actually know. Like the imagination is like mostly projection, if not entirely projection of like trying to figure out something that we can't know or control ever. And yet we try. (laughs) We try so hard. We try so hard. And we don't, we don't need to know that to be good people, to be safe to be happy, to be fulfilled. Like, it's just, it's the, the, seeing that as a, like, as a critical piece comes from trauma, not from an actual need. No. Like, we, what we need is to be validated. Like, what we need is underneath that. Yes. The need is to be validated, to be seen, Mm -hmm. to be held, and yes, by other people, and yes, by you. Yeah. It's both. Yeah. It's both. And it has to, like, we're, we're wired for it to be both. Mm-hmm. And I found that, like, the more deeply I, I am rooted in the I of it, the more satisfied I am by the they of it. Like, yeah. the, more, the more I am, like, deeply self-validated, the sweeter it is to, like, because it's not coming from a place of need anymore. Like, I have the validation I require. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. um, but, like... So it just makes, like, the validation and love and care and support that I receive from the external world feel that much more delightful. Yeah, I want to... not from a place of, like, desperation. Okay, yeah, I was going to say, I want to talk about that for a second, um, need, because, like, because, um, the concept of, like, what we need and what we don't need was, like, really fucked up for us in religion. It was, like, you don't need nice things, you don't need... To feel happy. You don't need yeah. whatever, you know, you don't need a hug <laughs> to exist or whatever. Like, it was, like, really about the bare minimum. And, like, I think it's possible to need from relationships yeah. and for that to be okay yeah. and to accept that people can't give it to you sometimes. Yep. It's just a really vulnerable place to exist because you're basically opening yourself up for hearing someone say, no, I can't give you that need and that experience, trusting that that experience doesn't mean that you don't deserve it. Yes. But it's just that they they can't, right. It's just that they can't need it. Oh yeah. This is, but it's so funny because so many of the things, (laughs) the topics that we're touching on right now are actually like in my brain, I have a, a, a full fledged course like web course or like live course or something like that um on polyamory principles for monogamous people Hmm. because hand to god like i could go back to i could go back to monogamy today 
And I don't, I don't want to, I don't plan to. Um, but if I did, I would do it very differently simply because of the communication and like internal work, work that has had to happen in mm. order to be able to do this life in a sustainable way. Um, and so much of it is stuff like that, like that piece that's like being able to bring, be, be radically honest about what you need. And also be okay with the fact that the people around us, even the ones who love us most, have limitations. And those limitations aren't actually reflective of their love. They're reflective of their, of their capacity. They're mm. reflective of their time and energy. Um, and I think that is, <clears throat> I think all the time, like, I wish I had had that framework my entire life for every relationship I've ever been in of any kind. Like, yeah. Um, because you're exactly right. It's so vulnerable. Like, it is so fucking vulnerable to open up and, like, be transparent about things like need and want and desire and be open to the possibility that you might not be met there. Yeah. Because that feels so, like, like, I can feel that in my body as we speak, that experience of, like, I was open with you about my desires and you can't meet me there. Oh, <laughs> and they, like and they don't owe it to you. They don't. That's, and that's, no. that's the piece that I feel like polyamory has like, so, or non-monogamy, whatever category you're in feels like has so right. Is that be, they're, they feel comfortable naming that yes. no one owes them anything because they know then that yes. that, they can find that in another relationship, and that's yes. okay. Yeah. That doesn't mean anything is wrong with this one. Mm -hmm. it, yeah. It's that, like, that piece of, like, I deserve this, and you don't owe it to me. You don't owe it to me. You don't yes. owe me anything. That's been a power, such a power thing, like, particularly, I think about this all the time. Um, one of the most fucked up things about the way that I think the church brings us to interact in relationship, especially as it rela relates to like sex and intimacy, um, is like very commonly, I have conversations all the fucking time with couples who did all the things right and they were like the good Christian couple and they didn't have sex until they were married and they didn't do all the things. And what happens is they get into it and they don't have any education. They don't know what they like. They don't know what they desire. So they're both really nervous and, like, there's, like, all of this heteronormative cultural scripting about what sex is. And it's generally geared toward the pleasure of the man and not the pleasure of the woman. And so very often they end up in a dynamic where the man has more of a sex drive, quote-unquote, has a higher sex drive than his wife. And she doesn't want sex. And so either, like, she ends up saying yes to sex that she doesn't want for reasons she doesn't understand. <laughs> um, mm. Like, she doesn't know why she's not into it. Um, but she's just not. And so, like, either she gives in to, like, sex she doesn't want, or she says no and holds her autonomy, and he is then in a relationship where sexual needs are just, like, not being met. And it's monogamous, so they cannot be met. Hmm. And so, like, I, I, I end up, I have this scenario presented to me literally all the fucking time. Like, this is one of the conversations that the church is not ready to have about the ways that they are fucking up married sex lives. Um, it's so fucked up. And the patterns are so, like, it's, it makes my soul hurt how, like, the story is always the same. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the things that I, like, appreciate the most because I am a person with a very high sex drive and like I can't imagine being in a, being in a scenario at this point where like I like relied on one person to fully like fully like meet my needs for variety and like frequency and like all of the things hmm. um I lived like that for a long time but it's beautiful and I use like this as a and an example, but it's not just sex by any stretch of the imagination, but it's like beautiful at this point where I, the fact that I can like voice a need or a desire or a curiosity and my people have 
full autonomy to be like, I love that for you. And also, not me. That's not for me. I And I support the hell out of you, like, getting that need met elsewhere. Mm. Um, those conversations are so fucking tender. Yeah. And also, because I now have the tools to navigate those conversations and the freedom to, like, pursue getting my needs met in any number of ways, mm-hmm. um, it just makes me think back to that, like, how restrictive and also just, like, deathly to intimacy. <laughs> like, it's so deathly to just, like, even, like, emotional and intellectual and spiritual intimacy between partners um man I believe in a world where we can all just like talk about things (laughs) I believe in a world where we can just talk about shit Mm -hmm. and there was so much especially as it relates to relationship and intimacy that in the church we were just taught to like if you both love Jesus it's all good and fine Mm -hmm. like you'll know how to connect with each other on an emotional level on a spiritual level on a physical and sexual level we have to learn how to talk we have to learn how to communicate and we have to learn to be we have to build our capacity for being with the vulnerability of that Mm -hmm. because it's so fucking vulnerable yeah it's like the most tender thing let's end on that note i have to pee (laughs) love it i love that your body is always the cute it's an hour clock (laughs) i love it thank you all for listening bye loveies Thank you all for joining me today. If you are wanting one-on-one support to help you step into trusting yourself, seeing your own magic, and building the life that you want, you can contact me on my website. The website is below in the show notes. I hope you all have a bitchin' day.